Are you guys ready to get into part one of a brand new series called Habits? You build them, they build you. Are you already nervous about this series? Are you already thinking like, oh man, we're going to get up into, up into my business? Well, um, here's what I want to say at the beginning of this, of this series. It's, it's actually my goal is to, my goal in this series is to help you and me, but to help you develop into the man or the woman of God that God designed you to be. My goal is to help you fulfill the divine purpose that God has put on your life. And I fundamentally believe that to do that, we have to develop the kind of divine habits that will lead us to our divine purpose. So I'm going to preach for the next few weeks on this concept of, of habits. And uh, we're going to get into some spiritual habits. Today, I'm going I'm to basically teach you the introduction um, to this series. So I'm not going to, this is not going to be like a heavy hitting preaching sermon. I mean, you can say amen if you want to from time to time, but this is going to be more of a teaching uh, sermon to kind of lay the groundwork for the series um, that, we're, that we're about to, to get into. So let me start with a real basic general observation this morning. And I think this is applicable to, I think, to all of us. And my general observation is this. Everybody here wants to get better, wants to improve in some area of your life. That's the assumption that I'm working on. Everybody here at U-City, everybody down at Shaw, everybody online, everybody watching this on YouTube later, everybody on Facebook that's watching this, all of us desire to get better in some area of our life. We, desi- we desire to enhance some area of our life. That's my assumption. I know that's true for me, right? And I, I'm, 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 every year I lay out my, my resolutions because I want to get, get better. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better Christian. I want to be a better leader. I want to be more educated. I want to write more. I want to be healthier. I mean, I want to change, like, I got a list, y'all. I mean, it's a list of stuff that I want to get better at. That's just me, right? My assumption is that that's you too. There are areas in your life where you go, you know what? I want to improve that area. I want to, I want to get better in that area. I want to develop that particular area. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your relationship. Maybe it's your education. But whatever it is, there's some area, maybe it's your career that you say, you know what? I want to get better at that. I pray that all of us want to get better spiritually. We want to grow and mature spiritually, which is why we're here, right? We want to get better. The only people that don't want to get better, there's two categories. The people that are perfect. If that is you, you are cordially invited to, to leave the premises because you're, we're done. Like this is the, the only people that this church is not for is for people who are perfect and who have already arrived. It, it won't be helpful for you, right? The other people that don't want to improve are people who are complacent. Now, I, I don't want to come down on complacent people because we've all been in that sort of state of complacency before where we tried to get better. We tried to change. We tried to, you know, enact some sort of transformational aspect to our life. It didn't work. And then we kind of give up and go, eh, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's not worth it. And then we get complacent and we just go, man, I, I can't do it. So if that's you, you are still welcome here. I want to just nudge you. I want to soul check you into understanding that, yes, God actually can help you grow, help you mature spiritually and in every aspect of your life. Now, for me, and maybe for some of you, what I do every year is, and I've done this for years, but like I will write down my goals for the year. 
I will write down my goals and say, here are the things where I want to improve. Here's where I want to be spiritually. Here's what I want to be financially. Here's where I want to be in terms of my health and my relationship with my kids and my relationship with my wife and my relationship with my friends. As a pastor, this is what I want to write. So I write down these goals. But I don't know if, if you're like me, but every once in a while, like literally every year, at the end of the year, when I look back at the goals that I wrote down at the beginning of the year, it turns out that I didn't quite accomplish my goals. Am I the only one? Did you all accomplish your goals that you set out and your resolutions that you set out last year? Right? I mean, some of them I hit, you know, the easy ones, the low-hanging fruit, I, not, I nailed those. But the big ones, a lot of times, I, I, I didn't get. I, I'll give you an example. Self-disclosure. I can't tell you how many years in a row I have written down, write a book. Has anybody else written that down ever as a goal? Just me? Come on. Okay, all right. Brian, the sound guy. Thank you, Brian. Right on, brother. Um, and I've written that down every year. But guess what? I don't, I've never written a book, right? I had a goal, but I didn't, I didn't get that. Does that mean we shouldn't set goals? No, goals are good, and they help us get to, you know, point in a direction. But goals are uh, necessary but not sufficient. Setting a goal is a good thing. It gives you a path and a direction. But it's not sufficient. It's not going to get you there. So some people go, okay, great. you got to have a goal. But if you really want to accomplish your goal, you, you got to have a plan. And that's also true, right? You've heard the phrase, if you plan to fail, or if you, fa if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Have you heard that one? Right? Jesus even said, unless you sit down and count the cost, you're not going to have what you need to finish the house, right? So yes, we, we, we got to have a goal, but we also have to have a plan, right? But a plan is not going to get us there. And the reason I know this is that I've had a lot of plans in my life that didn't get me to the goal, right? How many of you ever had a, um, a diet plan that you've ever been on? Man, y'all are just, you guys are just, you guys are just quiet this morning. You know, it's cold out there and you're just acting like I'm up here doing this all by myself. So, so, you know, I, I've, I've, there's a lot of plans. There's the keto plan. There's the Mediterranean diet. There's the Daniel fast. There's the South beach diet. Anybody remember that one? There's the, um, grapefruit cleanse. There's the, I mean, I mean like there's just all kinds of plans, right? The, the, the diet plans and financial plans and, and relationship plans, right? But a plan, again, is necessary but not sufficient. So the question that then becomes, how do we actually transform? How do we grow into what God is calling us to be? How do we start to live into the divine purpose that God, is, uh, that God has assigned to us? How do we start to grow into that? How do we actually change at a fundamental level? Well, this series that we're launching called Habits is all about what I would call sort of the building blocks, the foundational building blocks of your life. Your habits are the building blocks of your life. In fact, if you're taking notes, I would, I would recommend writing this down. The habits you build eventually build you. The habits you build, for better or for worse, eventually build you. And your habits are, are, are automatic behaviors that you almost don't even notice. Habits are things that you just do by default, either good or bad, right? And you can build good habits or you can build bad habits, but eventually if it becomes a habit, that means it just happens, right? So guess how many mornings this last year I did not drink a cup of coffee? Guess how many? Zero. Zero, because I have a habit of drinking coffee. I don't have to, I don't have to put it on my calendar. I don't have to send myself a notice. I don't have to put an alarm on my phone. 
I just get up in the morning and I just walk. I could be sound asleep and it would still work out perfectly. Same amount of sugar, same amount of milk, same, the whole thing would be perfect, right? Because it's a habit and I'm not, and I like the habit. I'm not, I don't, I love the habit actually because, well, anyway, I love the habit because it actually opens the door to some other habits that I like to do. Like I like to then go sit down and read and I like to study the Bible, but, but it's a habit, right? And the reason that it's a habit is because I can do it without any, any thought whatsoever. That's good or, or, or bad, right? Now, I would say this. When I say, when, when I say that, that the habits you build eventually build you, what I'm saying is the current state of your spiritual life, so I'm, I'm just, just going to get in your business. You guys need to get with me this morning. The current state of your spiritual life is the result of the spiritual habits that you have or have not built over time. That's the, that's the, if you want to look at your current spiritual state, that's the result of habits that you either have or have not built. You either built habits that grow you spiritually, scripture reading and prayer and serving and giving and worshiping together and that kind of thing, right? Or you have not developed those habits, in which case your spiritual life is not strong and robust. Same with your physical health for the most part, right? It's the result of your habits. It's the result of the kinds of food you eat, the kind of exercise you do. It's, it's the result of your relationships largely are the result of the habits that you have formed in your relationship. When you form healthy habits in a, in a romantic relationship or with your kids or with your friends, um, it, it builds healthy relationships. When you form negative habits, it, it destroys relationships, right? So, so a lot of times it's like, okay, are we habitually doing what we need to be doing? Uh, in, in, in my relationship with my wife, are we, are we habitually uh, honoring and praising one another? Are we habitually going on our date night, our weekly date night? Are we, has, it, has it become a habit for us, right? Because the more we build positive, good, affirming habits, the better that relationship's going to be. In all areas of your life, what you're going to find is that your habits, the habits you build, will eventually build you. Now, I looked a lot. I've been looking a lot at the scripture on this. And I've been looking, I've been reading different books. I've been listening to uh, podcasts. And what I find fascinating in the scripture is that the scripture does not actually talk about goals that much. It does occasionally talk about people saying, this is what I'm going to do. And it doesn't talk that much about plans. It does talk about plans. Like I mentioned Jesus's quote the other day. But what I found as I'm beginning to prepare for this series, is that the Bible is full of descriptions of individuals in the Bible who developed habits. And I want to I start with the prophet Daniel. What's fascinating is the prophet Daniel never set out, nowhere in the Bible does it say he set out to be this great prophet. But what it says is this. It says three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. That was a habit for him. He had been doing that for years. Three times a day, Daniel got down on his knees and he prayed. We, we find this out. You know when we find this out? We find this out like the day he gets thrown into the lion's den. Right? And the writer said, look, I want you to know that when he got thrown into the lion's den and he had courage and he had faith, right? It, it didn't all happen at once. He didn't become a man of courage and faith all at once. It's that three times a day for years he had been getting down on his knees and praying. It was a habit. Uh, Luke 5, 16 says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Next week, I'm going to talk about the habit of prayer. I'm going to get deep into prayer. We're going to spend some time with prayer. 
But what we see in the scripture is that Jesus habitually prayed. I looked up all the times that Jesus prayed in the scripture this week. And it's like all the time. It's in the morning, it's in the afternoon, it's at night, and he just had a habit. Almost, I mean, every story you read about Jesus, at some point it says, and then Jesus stepped out and spent some time praying. In fact, there are a lot of passages where the disciples are like, we're looking for Jesus. Has anybody seen him? Yeah, he's out on the mountain praying, right? He habitually prayed. That was his habit. When it comes to scripture, look at Joshua uh, chapter 1, verse 8. It says, keep this book of the law always, always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. What the Bible is saying is form a habit. Develop a habit. Build a habit. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16, the apostle Paul is getting ready to go to Corinth and take uh, an offering to give to the saints who were in need. And I love what he says. He says, now about the collection of the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian church to do. Because he told the Galatian church, now I'm telling the Corinthian church. He said, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. In other words, don't try to like pull this, pull this whole uh, offering together when I get there, right? We're trying to give some money to the, to the church and to the people that were in need. He said, so just make a habit of it. Every week, set aside a little bit, right? Just make a habit. Just do it habitually. In, in our family, and I'll just tell you this, and I'm going to talk about habit of generosity in a few weeks. But in our family, I, lo- I want to be a generous person. I love being a generous person, right? But but what I need to do is make it a habit. And so what we've done in our family, every single person in our family, our, my kids, Eden, her tithes and offerings, she's five years old, are set up on automatic bill pay. Bank of America, it just goes out every month. Just goes out. It's because it's, that's, it's, a, it's a habit, right? We've actually habitualized it to the, to the degree that we don't even see it happen, right? So the Bible is saying over and over, build these kinds of of habits. Now, you and I both know that there are different kinds of habits. There are some habits we have and we don't want, and there are some habits we don't want, we don't have, but we do want, right? So what I want to do is I want to break down three different kinds of habits, and I hope you're taking notes on this, three different kinds of habits that we all will wrestle with and experience in our life. The first one is what I'm calling a destructive habit. A destructive habit is a recurring activity that, deter- that deters you from reaching your full potential. Destructive habits diminish your growth and decrease your effectiveness. That's a destructive habit. I don't know if any of you, and I, well, actually I do know, all of you probably have some destructive habits. Destructive habits can either be behavioral or mental, right? So you can have a destructive mental habit that you keep going to, or you can have a destructive behavioral pa- uh, habit. I will tell you one of my old destructive habits. I'm not going to tell you any of my current destructive habits. Can I give you an old one that I don't have anymore? You're welcome. Okay. Um, when I was in my 20s, I had, uh, I had a destructive habit of drinking too much alcohol. I was, not a, I was not an alcoholic. I was not addicted. But I had the habit of drinking too much alcohol. And I would be around friends, and they would drink, and then I would drink. Right. And if I was at if I was at home and there were drinks in the fridge, I would drink. And the the problem with me is I have a low tolerance for alcohol. So it doesn't take very much, but two or three drinks and I would be intoxicated. And then I made a lot of bad decisions when I was intoxicated in my 20s. A lot of decisions that are regrettable, a lot of decisions I wish I could reel back. Right. 
But it wasn't, I wouldn't have made those decisions except that there was this habit and that habit triggered a, a, a decision that I wish I hadn't made, right? When I became a follower of Jesus, I kind of said, oh, wow, I need to, there's some habits that I need to address because these habits have become recurring, almost invisible patterns. They just happen automatically. I'll give you five mental habits that some of you may fall into that I, that I just want you to know, like these are habits that you can, that you can break. Um, the first one is the mental habit of self-pity. It, I know no, nobody, that's nobody in here, all right? Nobody in here, but you guys know somebody, right? Probably writing their name down right now. My little, my cousin. Um, self-pity is the habit of always thinking that, you know, you're being put upon, right? It's a bad mental habit. It's a destructive mental habit. It will make, it, it's not biblical also, right? It will make you feel less than you are. The opposite of that is the habit of self-aggrandizement. The Bible calls it pride. When you default to thinking you're better than other people, when you default, when your mind defaults to thinking that you're better than you actually are, then you will end up destroying parts of your life. There will relate, the scripture says pride comes before a fall. You will crash into the, in, into the walls of your own pride. That's a mental habit. Uh, mistrust is a mental habit. If you just mistrust people, just that's your first habit. That's your first inclination. What will happen is when somebody reaches out to help you, you will think they're reaching out to hurt you and you will turn them away because you have developed a, a mental habit. Cynicism is a, is a destructive mental habit, right? When you just, when you just question everybody else's motives, when you, when, and I, I've been there. All right. So I'm talking like about things I know. I've, I, when I was younger, I was cynical. I would like sit there and just like sit on the, the scripture says the seat of the scornful. I would just look at people and think, yeah, what are your motives? I bet you I know what your motives are, right? And I was cynical about people, right? And that was a bad mental habit. It was a bad mental habit because it made me undervalue people who were actually doing great stuff. But I was always mistrustful and cynical. The last one is ingratitude. Ingratitude is a bad mental habit. It's a destructive mental habit. Um, it will, it will, it will mess you up. It will just, you'll, you'll walk around feeling sort of, you know, like un, unhappy and angry because you're just not grateful, right? So, so those are some destructive. The second type of habit is what I call distracting habits. A distracting habit is a recurring activity that diverts your attention from your true purpose. Distracting habits derail your progress and delay the fulfillment of your destiny. So a, a distracting habit is not like a destructive habit in that it just crushes you, but it slows you down. It derails you. Can I give you an example? Can I give you an example this morning? <laughs> I've read some stats. I have to go back and look them up. Uh, how many times we pull our phone out of our pocket or our purse or something in a day? I mean, I want to say it's like hundreds. Maybe somebody should just pull out their phone and Google that for me real quick. No. I mean, maybe... But, but we just do it, right? It's just, you don't think about it. If you're standing in line at the grocery store, you go like this, right? If you're, if you, when you, when you get up in the morning, this is on your nightstand. You just go, oh, right? It's just, it's just there. It's habitual. Um, I used to have TikTok on my phone. <laughs> I wasn't, I didn't put any videos on there, I don't think. But I had the app on my phone. And and I liked it because it was, it was hilarious. One, one Sunday afternoon, I remember this, I had just put TikTok on my phone. And I went home. So, everybody knows what TikTok is, right? Okay. 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 All right. Um, 
you can Google that too after church. But um, so, so I pulled out TikTok on my phone. I opened the app and man, there were some funny dances on there. I mean, people were just dancing and just clowning. It was, it was hilarious. So I was watching them and then I was like zipping up and like watching the next one and watching. I was, I was laughing out loud. It was, I was on the couch. I was relaxed. I was having a good time. And I'm watching these funny videos, right? I, when I stopped, I looked at my phone again and it was, it was an hour later. I had spent an entire hour of my life watching people do goofy dances on TikTok, right? I mean, an hour. And so what I had to do and what, I mean, literally that moment, I'm like, oh man, I can't do that. It's not going to destroy my life, but it is going to slow down my progress, right? If I start get, if I start getting into distracting habits, so I actually took the app off my phone. So I no longer have TikTok. I still have Instagram reels, but that might be going away next. Anyway, um, the scripture says this, Proverbs 4.25, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. The scripture's teaching us you don't want to develop these distracting habits that take you off course, that take you down a path that you uh, don't, aren't designed to go down. The third kind of habit is the kind we want to develop, and I call it a divine habit. A divine habit. A divine habit is a recurring activity designed by God to develop you into your highest and best self. Divine habits are designed for your joy and to mature you into your divine purpose divine habits. I'm going to give you an example of one. Um, when, when I first became a Christian, this is many, many years ago, when I first became a Christian, every morning I would wake up and I would say a prayer, which you might say, oh, that's good. That's a divine habit. And it is good to pray. But every morning I would wake up and I'd say, God, forgive me of my sins. I'm, I'm so sorry, God, for the sins that I've committed. I'm so, right? And I would be praying for forgiveness every morning was the first prayer on my lips every single morning. And one day, and I don't want to over-spiritualize this and freak anybody out, but the Lord actually in my heart paused me in the middle of my prayer, paused me in the middle of my prayer. And he said, Brent, you're, you're forgiven. You were forgiven the first time you asked. You don't have to wake up every morning and keep asking for forgiveness over and over and over again. He said, I want you to turn your prayer of forgiveness into a prayer of gratitude. How about waking up in the morning and saying, thank you? Instead of forgive me every morning, there are still times I need to say, Lord, forgive me, right? I'm not saying like you don't ever say that. But instead of developing a habit of forgive me, how about developing a habit of thank you? And I mean, it stopped me in my tracks. And literally from that day forward, I began to wake up and go, on my, in, my, in my mind and sometimes out loud, I just say, thank you, my God, thank you so much for uh, a good night's sleep. Thank you for my house. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for our church, Lord God. Thank you for the clothes on my back. Thank you for the food on my belly. Thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to serve you. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to praise you. Thank you for the health. Thank you for the breath of my lungs. I just began to thank God every single morning. Do you want to know that habit transformed my life? Instead of walking up, waking up feeling like, oh man, I'm just, oh God, please don't crush me, right? I woke up saying, man, God, you, God loves me. My God, thank you, Lord Jesus, for the, for the blessings of actually being alive right here, right now, right? It's a divine habit, right? But it's, it's that quick. It's a transformational habit. The scripture says this, Matthew 7, 8, for everyone, I love this in the Amplified, everyone who keeps on asking receives, and everybody who keeps on seeking finds, and everybody who keeps on knocking it will be open. In other words, don't just do things one time. Build a habit. 
build a divine habit where you are interacting with God, where you are interacting in prayer, where you are interacting in scripture, where you're interacting with your brothers and sisters, where you are doing things habitually that will get you where God wants you to go. So the question is, how do we do this? Let me, I'm going to give you a, a, a sort of um, premise for this whole series. Here it is. Write this down. The key to achieving your purpose in 2022 is to eliminate destructive and distractive pat- distracting patterns and to build your good intentions into divine habits. Divine habits. Um, I have been reading, like I said, a bunch of books. I've been reading, you know, doing podcasts, videos. Um, there's a, a whole se- couple series that Craig Rochelle did on habits that I that I've been pouring over. There's a book that I'm reading right now, and some of y'all may have read this book. It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. I do recommend this book um, because it's, it's, a, it's a powerful book, and it actually, whether he means to or not, he actually captures a bunch, a bunch of uh, scriptural and spiritual um, principles in this book. Um, but, but the basic premise of, of his book and the basic premise that we see throughout the scripture is that even though we don't think that a, a small thing matters that much, if we do it repeatedly, it has a compounding effect. How many, how many of you know about compounding interest in finances, right? If you invest a small amount repeatedly over time with interest, it will grow exponentially right? It's, it compounds. And it's the same way with habits. So, so let me give you an example, because habits are things that many of us just think, well, you know, it just doesn't matter that much, right? If I go and get on the treadmill for 20 minutes today, and then I go get on the scale, nothing will have changed. Has anybody ever done that? You get on the scale, and then you go, what happened? I just exercised for 20 minutes. I mean, my Lord, right? Right? But it will have a compounding effect. If you do that every day, for several months, if you do it for 10 minutes every day for several months and you hadn't done it before, it will have a compounding effect, right? If you go bench press one time and you go, well, where, where are my pecs, right? Well, what happened, right? It's not going to help you. It's a compounding, it has a compounding effect, right? Conversely, if I swing by White Castle on my way home today, which is not on my way, but, but if, I, if it was, and I swing by White Castle and I get a couple cheeseburger sliders, does that gross you out or does that make you excited? Um, it's not going to affect me. I mean, it's not going to kill me, right? It's not going to harm me. I'm not gonna, it's not gonna change anything about me, right? My breath, maybe a little bit, but, but it's not gonna do anything that, well, it'll do a couple of, anyway, you understand what I'm saying. It's not gonna do anything profound, right? But if I do that every day for three years, I'm not gonna be able to see my feet when I look down, right? Because it has a compounding effect. Now, Emo's pizza does not have that compounding effect. You can just eat all you want. So, <laughs> so the key, right? is to, you're welcome for that. God just blesses emos with the grace. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so the question that then becomes, how do we eliminate these destructive and distractive habits in our life? Because we all want to. And how do we build divine habits? How do we do it? What I'm going to do for today is I'm going to give you some very, very, very practical principles and keys that you can use, okay? And then in the coming weeks, we're going to apply these um, to some of the 
bigger spiritual practices that we want to explore. So I'm going to give you three basic keys. And some of this I'm pulling out of uh, Clear's book, but I'm revising it and, and, and you know, changing it a bit. But um, I'm going to give you three keys to, um, to building a, a divine habit. The first one is this. Make it convenient. This is going to seem counterintuitive because a lot of us think, man, for spiritual growth, man, we got to be down, you know, grinding it out. It's got to be hard. No, make it convenient. Let me show you something in, in, in the book of Daniel. What's fascinating when I read back through this this week, it says Daniel went home to, went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened to Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed. Just, just track with me for a minute. Daniel's in Babylon. Babylon's 1,600 miles from Jerusalem, right? But, but Daniel had a habit of getting down on his knees and praying three times a day. So when Daniel moved to Babylon, he said, you know what? I want a house where I have windows opening to Jerusalem. And then I'm going to actually go and pray there. I'm going to open my windows, and I'm going to actually create an environment that enhances my habit track with me now. I'm going to, I'm going to actually make it convenient for me to go pray because I want to pray all the time. You notice it didn't say he went down to the temple or, or he, you know, put himself through all kinds of contortions. He went up to his room where the windows opened to Jerusalem and he kneeled down and prayed. Make your habit convenient. Make it something that's easy and accessible at first and you can grow it over time right? A lot of us say, man, I'm going to read the Bible in one year. I'll tell you what, read a scripture today, right? Let's start there, right? Then read a scripture tomorrow and then read a scripture the next day. That's how we build habits, right? And then maybe the fourth day you'll go, I might read two scriptures. I might actually read two sentences from the Bible, right? So don't make it, don't make it so complicated and difficult. Make it convenient. I'll give you a quick example from, from my life. I have a, if you go to my house, I think right now actually, but almost all the time, there's a glass of water sitting on my counter at at home, a glass of water. And the reason there's a glass of water sitting on my counter is that I have a, I want to build a habit of drinking more water, right? But here's the crazy thing. If the water is sitting out on the counter right now, when I walk by the kitchen, I'm probably going to stop and I'm going to drink it. But if I have to go into the cabinet and get it out and then pour the water. It doesn't sound terribly inconvenient, but it's like two more steps because I also like the water to be room temperature. So then I have to wait until, right? So, so for me, the simple act of making, having a glass of water sitting on the counter changes how much water I drink. It actually, it affects my health having a glass of water sitting on. Why? Because it's, it's convenient. Did you know that whether or not you go to the gym is largely determined by how far you live from the gym? There are all these kinds of studies. I'm I'm not making this stuff up. The closer you live to the gym, the more likely you are to go to the gym, right? So so if you're trying to build healthy habits, create an environment where that healthy habit is convenient and accessible. If you want to read your Bible more, then put your Bible in a place where you're going to see it, where you're going to notice it. If you want to read your Bible at night, make your bed and then put your Bible on your pillow. So that when, before you get in bed, you have to move the Bible in order to get in bed. And, and while you have it in your hand, you just crack it open and go ahead and read it, right? So number one is, is, is make it convenient. Number two is make it simple. This doesn't sound like hyper-spiritual, but I'm just trying to help somebody today to build some habits. Make it simple. I'm going I'm to start a phrase, and if you know what I'm going to say next, then I want you to join me in saying it, okay? Ready? You ready? Our Father, who art in heaven 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Almost, not all of us, most of us know that. We know that prayer, right? Again, my daughter, Eden, five years old, mostly knows that prayer. She kind of turns some things around, throws Psalm 23 in there every once in a while and kind of gets it mixed up. But you understand. She, at five years old, almost knows the prayer, right? Why? Because it's simple. When Jesus' disciples came to him and said, teach us to pray, because we see you praying all the time. We want to develop that habit, habit, that pattern, that recurring theme in our life. Jesus said, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. He taught them the simplest, easiest, most beautiful, succinct, poignant little prayer so that they could begin to develop the habit of prayer. What I want to say to you is if you really want to build habits, divine habits, begin by making them simple. All right? Don't go, don't, don't, don't try to go and bite off more than you can chew. Take a little bite and start to build that habit little by little. In fact, if you start, there's a prayer that's even shorter than that. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Right? That's the prayer that the tax collector uh, um, um, prayed in the temple. Right? Now, don't pray it every day because God already talked to me about that. But, but that's a very short prayer. But it's a good prayer. Right? So, so what I'm saying is if you want to develop a, a divine habit, make it simple. The third one you're going to think is totally not spiritual. Make it fun. Make it fun. When I was a kid, we would have, um, some of you might know about this and most of you will not. We used to have all night prayer meetings. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. They'd be like, we're just going to get in there. We're just going to pray all night long. We're just going to pray all night long. And I remember thinking, are we really going to pray all night long? We're going to pray all night long. And man, it was hard. And I can tell you, I don't think I, I never made it through the night, but I mean, I, I would like wake up, you know, at 3 a.m. and I'd hear people going, oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we just thank you, Lord God. Right. But for whatever reason, and I'm not, I mean, there's a time and a place, right? But I, but there was a, there was a thought, there was a philosophy floating around when I was a kid, which is, if it's not hard, it's not spiritual. If it's, if it's fun, it's not spiritual. It's got to be drudgery to be spiritual. That's not what the scripture teaches. Let me just read you. I'm going to give you a couple verses. Psalm 122, 1. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Right? Uh, Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. How many times you say it? Again, rejoice. Romans 15, 3. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. And I love this one. This is my favorite one. James 1 verses 2 and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So what he's saying is joy even in the trials. Joy even in the hardships. Joy doesn't mean that you, there aren't difficulties and pain and suffering and grief and challenges. It, it, it means have joy in the midst of it why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. God's building something in you, through you, during that hard time, right? So have joy at all times. So what we want to do is if we want to build a habit, we want to build a habit that brings, that brings joy. Now, some of your habits not, are not going to automatically bring joy. 
I'll give you a quick example. The treadmill does not bring me joy. I have no joy about the treadmill. There's nothing joyful. There's nothing joyous about the treadmill. I hate it. I hate doing cardio. I, I just despise it. And um, if, I, if, I, if I didn't have to do it, I wouldn't do it at all, right? But I figured something out. You want to know what I figured out? Here's my, here's my tip. Netflix on the treadmill. Netflix on the treadmill. Because I actually do like watching Netflix, right? So what I do, this is my little tip, right? Is I take a show on Netflix and I put it on the treadmill. And then I just walk on that treadmill. I, I try not to run because it makes my phone bounce around. But I, I, I can walk for a long time, right? Until my show's over. But then I say this, I'm not going to watch any more shows when I'm not at the gym, right? So I make it a little bit joyful in the moment, right? So what, what can you do to make the things that you need to do a little more joyful? Because if you do, then you'll do them more often. I mean, we, we love coming to the house of the Lord because we celebrate here. To me, this is a fun place. I rejoice here. I love coming here. It kills me when I cannot come to church. It bums me out because this is my, this is my, this is my happy spot. I love it, right? So make it, make it fun. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go really quickly through how to break. That, those, that's, that's three principles on how to build divine habits. I'm going to give you three quick ones on how to break destructive and distractive habits, distracting habits, and then I'm going to close and then we're going to dig in next week to start to build out um, what kind of habits we're talking about. Um, the first destructive habit, or the first principle to breaking a destructive habit, um, and this is, I think, Clear actually says this in his book too, make it invisible. Make it invisible. Somebody say this, you seek what you see. You seek what you see. I'm going to give an example. In uh, the book of Genesis, there's a scripture about Eve eating from the fruit, the temptation. There's a habit. There's something bad out there that she shouldn't take, but she does. And here's what the scripture says about it in Genesis 3, 6. When the woman, what? When she saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it, right? The garden was big. The tree was one place. Was just one tree that she couldn't eat from, right? How did you see the fruit? Because you were over by the fruit. And you were near it, and you saw it. And when you saw it, you sought it. You seek what you saw. You seek what you see, right? So, so if there are things in your life that you do not want to continue doing, make them invisible. Get them away from you. Don't bring them into your home. Don't bring them into your house. If you surf your phone too much, turn your phone off and put it in a drawer. Make it invisible. It doesn't mean you can't access it. It just means there's going to be 18 steps to, you know, and you got to wait and, right? So you're less likely to do it, right? If you're trying to eat fewer cookies and ice cream, don't buy cookies and ice cream and keep them in the fridge because then you, you see them and then you're going to seek them. Are you with me this morning or is this just like crazy talk? All right. So, so in fact, I'll give you one more. Every living, if you want to, if you want to watch le less TV, a lot of people have a problem watching too much TV and they know it. Every living room in America is designed to make you watch TV because every couch is facing the TV and the TV is sitting out there, right? So it's literally, you've built, you've designed the place to watch TV. So of course you come walking in, there's a couch, you sit down, the remote's right there, you turn on the TV, right? If you want to watch TV, let's turn your couch around. If you want to watch TV, let's take your TV out of your room and put it in the guest room or put it in the basement. Put it, in some, put it somewhere where you got to go work for it, right? 
make it a couple steps. There's a, uh, I think, clear when he talks about this. He, he has too much. Um, he gets on social media too much. He has his personal assistant change his password to all of his social media sites every week so that he can't access his social media. He's made it hard, right? So make it invisible. Make it invisible. Number two is make it difficult. Make it difficult to do the kind of destructive habits that you need to quit doing. I'm going to give you a quick example. Does anybody know what this thing is right here? Anybody know what that is? <laughs> so, so some of you have never seen this. You're like, this is like, what is this archaic piece of, you know, what is this? This is a cigarette vending machine. This is for real, y'all. When I was a kid, these were everywhere. You walk into the post office, there's a cigarette vending machine. You walk into the restaurant or anywhere. They didn't have them at the school, but they might have in the, in the, you know, in the break room. I don't know. I mean, they were everywhere, right? And throughout the 70s and, and 80s, people were trying to stop people from smoking because it gives you COPD and emphysema and lung cancer and all kinds of stuff, right? And so all of this information was coming out. Like, this is how bad smoking is. Really bad for you. And people knew. Like, this is bad for me. Like, this is not healthy for me. This is not healthy. But you know how much it changed behavior? Almost zero. People just kept on smoking. They'd be like, man, I'm, this is freaking killing me right now, right? You know what changed smoking behavior? They made it hard. First of all, vending machines went away. The, the smoking vending machines, you don't see those anywhere any, anymore. I don't know where they are. Secondly, they took cigarettes behind the counter. So if you go somewhere to buy a cigarette, it's behind the counter. You can't just pull it off the shelf, right? Third of all, they put taxes on it. So now it got expensive. And then fourth of all, they banned it everywhere. Every restaurant, every bar, everywhere, right? So now if you want to smoke, you really want to smoke. I mean, you really got to work for it. And what people said was, this is too difficult, right? Because it got more difficult, it stopped, it eliminated the habit. If you want to stop doing some things, make it harder to do that thing. Let me give you one biblical example. Um, we talked a couple weeks ago about Bathsheba and David and what happened in that, um, you know, when, when that, that whole scenario, that whole story. But there's a, there's a little line at the beginning of that story that's so fascinating because it tells you what started the process of David doing what he did. In 2 Samuel 11, 1, it says this, in the spring at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men, but David remained in Jerusalem. So David, this, what the scripture is saying is, David made it easy for himself to sin, right? He was supposed to be off at war, but instead he stayed here. He sent his guys off. Now he's wandering around bored on the porch, right? And there's nobody there to check him, right? And then he sees a woman and then the whole thing spirals from there right? So it's because it was easy. If he had been out to war, it would have been very, very hard for him to be tempted to do evil, right? So what I'm saying to you is if you are struggling in some sort of temptation or some kind of habit that is destructive or distracting, make it hard. If you struggle with looking at inappropriate content on the computer, make it hard to access that. Put on the filters or, or the you know, the accountability eyes or whatever, whatever the distracting or, or whatever the distracting or destructive habit you have is just take the step to make it harder to get there. What you see is what you seek. Make it hard. And the third is this, and this is the last one. Make it known. If you have a destructive habit that you are trying to break, and I'm preaching too long, so I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up quickly. 
make it known. This is actually the most important thing. You need to be able to, to know what you're doing that is destroying you and distracting you from your true purpose and God's divine purpose for your life. You need to know that, and then you need to make it known to somebody else. I'm going to give you three verses. If we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals their sin doesn't prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. We have built, we have designed a ministry where you can actually be in community with other people. And over time, as you build trust, you can reveal the struggles and the heartaches and the difficulties and the hardships and the bad habits and the destructive and distractive habits that you're facing. And you can have brothers or sisters around you to help grow you, right? This is why we do life groups. This is why we're leading life group, uh, having life group leadership training on Saturday. This is why in, in February, we want everybody to join a life group, right? Because you need to be in community with people who know you and who you know. I'm not saying it's a place where you just spill all your guts and all that kind of stuff. What I'm saying is, though, you need to have one or two people in your life who know your business, right? Because if you have a destructive or, or distracting habit and you're the only one that knows about it, you're going to keep doing it. But if you can reveal it, you can be healed from it. So I'm going to end with this question. And David, you can come help me close. Here's my question for you as we start off 2022. What is the one habit? What is the one habit that you... And I, what is the one habit that you will commit to building or breaking starting now? What is the one habit in your life? This is your application. Take this home with you. What is the one habit that you are committed to, that you will commit to either starting or breaking, building or breaking starting now? Because here's what I want for you. Here's what God wants for you. God really genuinely, deeply, and truly wants you to fulfill the purpose that he's placed on your life. He wants you to, he wants to bring transformation to your life. He wants to see you grow into the man or the woman that he's called you to be. He wants you to grow into uh, the community. He wants us to grow into the church that he's called us to be. And it's good for us to set goals. And it's very, very good for us to have aspirations. And it's very, very good. And it's valuable for us to have plans. But goals and plans will not get us there. What we have to commit to, you and me, is to building divine habits. Because the building divine habits will eventually build us. And by building us, we will ultimately build the kingdom of God that God has called us to build. If you would bow your heads, I just want to pray for you as we close. And I just want you to, in your heart, allow God's spirit to speak to you about whatever habit you need to break or whatever habit you need to build. And I do want you to know that God's grace is with you in the midst of this. This is not something that you need to feel um, ashamed about or condemned about. God wants to transform your life. He wants to build you into the man or the woman that he's called you to be. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now and we ask God, that you would speak into our hearts, that you would speak into the hearts of every single one of us. And God, I pray that you would point out and highlight the areas of our life where you want to build us up, where you want to strengthen us and enhance us and make us stronger and better, make us more and more like Jesus. Let us see what those areas are, Lord God, and help us to 
take the simple steps of beginning to build good habits, divine habits. And God, those areas of our life where, where we're caught up in destructive and distracting, distracting patterns that are deterring us and derailing us from the destiny that you have for us, God, I pray that you would point those out, highlight those, help us to confess those, Lord God, and then help us to build a life where we just don't access those habits. God, I pray for every single person here today, whether they're a follower of Jesus or whether they're just peeking over the fence to see what this is all about. Lord, I pray that your spirit, the power of your spirit, the power of your love would touch them in a deep and profound way this morning. And I pray, Lord God, that deep in their heart, they would experience the joy of your salvation. I pray that they would experience the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord God, that you would lead them and guide them into building the kind of habits that will build them into the men and women that you want them to be. Father, we love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I hope that some of this was useful for you all this morning. I know we, we, we covered a lot of territory, and I'm super excited for you to come back next week as we begin to push into uh, what it means to explore that, that habit of prayer and what prayer can really be in your life and how transformative it can be because it's just so, so powerful. And as we close today, I want to invite you to worship in a few different ways. One of the ways uh, that we worship is um, through prayer. So if you have a prayer request, uh, just let us know. Uh, I would ask that you take a moment, put it on your connection card, um, and just write it down, and, and we will pray for you. We also have a prayer room that's in the side auditorium that's open and available. It's convenient. It's simple. It's clear. It's there, right? So that you can go and pray with a member of our team if you need prayer this morning. If you are a guest or a visitor um, and and you have not filled out a connection card yet, uh, we would like to send you what, what I think is a really amazing resource. We want to send you um, a link to um, a resource called Right Now Media. Right Now Media is like it's kind of like the Christian version of Netflix. It's got 17,000, 18,000 Bible study, video-based Bible studies. Um, and we'll send you a link to that, and then you can sign up for your own subscription. It's free. We already paid for it for you. This church already paid for it for you. So we'll send it out to you if you want it. If you're a member of our church and you don't have that, let us know. Put that on your connection card or email me or email somebody, info at One Family Church, and we'll make sure that you get a subscription to that. Um, it's a huge, hugely valuable resource. And... Um, and it's free to you. Uh, and then the third thing, uh, the third way that I would invite you to worship is through your giving, through your generosity. If you're a guest or a visitor, please don't feel any obligation to give. But if this is your church home, we invite you to participate in giving uh, and expanding the mission of the church and expanding the ministries of the church. Um, we have, this has been an extraordinary year um, in the life of One Family Church. Uh, our Beyond Initiative, many of you are now beginning to um, to, to uh, fulfill that, that commitment that you made. Um, we raised, some of you that are new may or may not know this, but we've raised uh, in, in pledges $5.4 million over the next two years um, to advance the kingdom of God and to advance the mission and to renovate um, the Tivoli and do some renovations at Shaw and a lot of other great things. So we just thank you for that um, and we invite you to worship in that way. You can do that um, with your envelope and I think they'll have baskets out at the, at the, at the uh, exit. Uh, you can also do it online, uh, make it a habitual recurring 
uh, gift and, um, and just be a part of what God is calling us to do as a church. Uh, and finally, I would just invite you to stand with me as we close out this service today. I'd invite you to open your hearts, open your mouths, open your minds, and let's worship God in song.